1: Hi, Eden. Thanks so much for joining me on this podcast. Super excited to have you here.
2: Hi, Kino. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having
1: me. So I've been a fan of yours for a while. I stumbled upon your Instagram, your YouTube, and I just love your positive energy, your happiness, your smile that comes across in your teaching and the space that you hold. I often leave you know, your page or a post that you make feeling like just a little bit of happiness. So I love that.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. That's definitely what I strive to do. I haven't always been in that place, but I think that's a good testament to growth over time and that it's attainable for everybody.
1: And that's yoga, right? That's yoga. So how did you get started practicing yoga and like, what's your story of the inspiration for you to actually get on this path?
2: Okay. So, um, I started yoga, like most people for the physical, um, back in 2007, I bought a set of DVDs. I'm sure they're not even around anymore called yoga booty ballet. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I know those. I've seen those. Okay. Yeah. Very old school. So I bought them um, straight out of high school. I had been in cheerleading, competitive cheerleading for a very long time. And, you know, that's two-a-day practices and a lot of physical workout. And then after high school, I noticed that I was not able to do all of the same things that I could. So I got the yoga booty ballet as a way to kind of tap into that. I decided that it wasn't my thing and I sat it on a shelf and never looked at it again. <laughs> and then um, I went on this large pursuit of weight loss and I ended up losing 120 pounds in the matter of Seven months, which is very unhealthy. Um, usually, when I say that, people are like, "Yes, go, girl!" And I'm like, "And no one should be losing weight at that rate <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ever. Something's probably
1: wrong if that's happening that quickly." And so, what? And so, what was wrong? And first of all, for people that aren't that don't aren't familiar, like, why is that unhealthy? And what was wrong? Like, what was unhealthy about that period of your life for you?
2: Yeah. So. Weight loss in itself isn't going to make you healthier. It definitely can in some cases, but recommended weight loss by doctors is anywhere from a half a pound to two pounds at the extreme end per week. So for someone to lose 120 pounds within six months means that they're over-restricting or over-exercising or both, which is what I was doing. I was Mm -hmm. working out um, two classes at the gym before work. And then an hour on this, like usually Stairmaster Elliptical before my classes in the afternoon started and then doing two back-to-back classes. So that's like four to five group fitness classes per day, which is excessive. And it's still on my Instagram now. If you scroll way back, there's posts of me being like, I burned more than I ate today. Peace sign emoji. Like, mm-hmm. And to me, it felt normal because when people see weight loss, they applaud it and they tell you you're doing such a good job, and it just becomes the norm in society is like as long as you're losing weight it's good, it doesn't matter how.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I remember one of my trainers, Shannon, telling me um, I had hit a plateau, as most people do, and she said, "Maybe you should try yoga." So on and that was around 2013. So I went to body flow, you know, gym yoga, and I did the class. I loved it and hated it at the same time because it was very hard because I was still very large. So um, stepping through isn't a thing when you have a really big belly. And so it was frustrating in certain ways. But um, I think everyone feels that when that first shavasana hits you, something special happens. Yeah. So I remember going into the parking lot and feeling like I was going to cry. And I wasn't sure if it was because like, I felt like some peace finally, because I had been go, go, go. Or if it was because I was frustrated that I couldn't do all of the things when I had thought that I had reached this like optimal level of fitness, because I was working out so much, so many times a day. Mm -hmm. And I think it was both. And um, I think that's when it was kind of like divine intervention. When your mind's finally still enough, you can hear the things that you've been ignoring. And I think a lot of that, like any big change in life usually comes from some type of trauma. I had just had a big breakup and then I decided I'm going to lose weight. And mm-hmm. in order to not like think about any of those things, I just threw myself into workout. So, being in yoga was the first time that I was still, and that I could like mm-hmm. hear God's voice and hear Him saying, "Like, okay, something's not working here. Mm-hmm. You need to slow down." So I did, and I like the moment I went back to working out like three days a week and um, eating a normal amount of calories. The weight came back super rapidly. Mm-hmm. but I because it had gone it it wasn't
1: a sustainable way of losing weight right but what was the feedback? Did you get any feedback about that from the the people who were clapping at the massive weight loss, and how did that feel it I did get feedback, people asking
2: if I was going to start working out again or like what had changed and it's really hard to explain, like the more that I went to yoga, like the closer I'm Christian. So the closer I got to God, like the more my mind cleared out, Mm -hmm. I just started to get this unconditional like wave of love. So even though people were asking me, I was like, yeah, I'm gaining weight, but I'm still feeling really fit Mm -hmm. and I'm happy. And I hadn't been happy for like a very long time. So I was gaining weight, but my happiness was still there. I was still very active and it was the balance that I definitely thought I needed. So um, after a while, one of my friends had told me that she had gone to this place called Black Swan, which is where I ended up getting certified. And I went to Black Swan because... I was, back then, I think I was a sales admin, not making a lot of money. It was donation-based. It was like, it's a very, it's not a boutique studio. There's no lobby. You go in, there's just mirrors, black lights. And it was just like a very humble-feeling place. And um, I think that's where I finally got the full yoga experience in started going two or three times a week to yoga was a black swan. I'd leave work, walk down to black swan and do my yoga. And yeah, that's where I kind of fell in love.
1: Hmm. I love this idea that, you know, doing yoga brings you closer to God. And I feel that too. You know, I, I, I wasn't raised with any religion. And Mm -hmm. at, at some moment, I actually had an experience where I met Jesus. And I felt like from that moment, i felt like these moments in my life where I'd felt this uh, fleeting kind of peace sort of got rooted within me. And, you know, again, for me not being raised with any religion, my grandfather's Buddhist, my parents are kind of, you know, agnostic. Uh, secularists, and to have this experience of you know overwhelming divinity to come into my life, I I am so so grateful for that, and I feel like this is so much a part of kind of the 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 the, the, the hidden message of yoga is that whatever whatever is sacred and real, you know, you do the practice, it brings you closer to that, and then that's the happiness. Like, exactly. that's, that's the magic. It's not the pose. It's not the shape you make with the body. It's that you're tapping into the eternal, the, the, the truth that's out there, which is transcendent of the physical. And then it's like, yes, give me more. <laughs> yes, give me more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you had anyone question your practice of yoga than, and say, you know, oh, yoga is unchristian and you shouldn't be practicing? And, you know, has anyone ever questioned that in you? Know, in you?
2: All of the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I'm very openly Christian, and I actually wasn't until I started yoga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always said I was Christian, but my family's what you describe as like the Easter Christmas Christians. Mm-hmm. That's when we went, <laughs> but <laughs> and um, I would um, hear like my boyfriend's parents talk about the Bible and things like that, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm Christian," but I couldn't like quote anything out of the Bible, but. When I started yoga, I like, it made me pursue my path more. Um, so at first it was hard to come those questions because I was like, oh, everyone's saying it's evil and I'm praying to, and I'm saluting the sun and that's so
1: bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then there, and there are these weird things you'll find online, like, oh, yoga opens you up to demonic possession. And then you're like,
2: "Ooh." <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Opening the third eye is like evil and dark and yeah. uh, I, yoga is rooted in love. The Bible is rooted in love. Nothing could be wrong about practicing mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. for yourself, for the people around you nothing could be bad. And um, I'm probably not the most eloquent when it comes to speaking to Christianity and yoga, but I did do a lot of research and find Christian yogis in the Christian Yoga Alliance and really took time to delve in to make sure that I wasn't doing anything wrong. But when you read the Gita or you read Light on Yoga or any of these books, they read very much like the Bible, and not in a religious way, just um, doing the best you can for the
1: mm-hmm. greater good. Yeah, I love that. I really, really love that. <laughs> what was it like for you when you said in that first yoga class, you said, "Oh, I can, I could hear God's voice." You know, what was that like? Because there, there are people listening who are like, "I want to hear God's voice too." Like, what does that sound like, and how do I know it's Him, and or you know, or and it's not just my own thoughts, and you know, what is that like? What is what's the What's the experience of that for someone out there that's searching that might, that might want the experience? So
2: it's going to be different for everyone. So God knows everyone's heart or whatever you believe in. They know your heart. And, um, that's the reason that they're so magnificent is they're all knowing beings. So God knows that I'm not just going to believe some fleeting thought. So I have to be met with that multiple times so I felt it laying in the class like you need to be still you need to change something and then in the parking lot I felt it again like move to tears like what you Mm -hmm. felt in there was not something that was just come and go like you're confronted with it again and then I think God puts people in your life that will speak to you through them. And then later that week, my dad was like, I think you've been pushing really hard. Because I had him go to two back-to-back workout classes with me. We did a body combat. And then right after that, we went to a spin class. When we got home, that was the weekend after my first yoga class. He sat down with me and he's like, if you're going to four of these a day, that's too much. Like, Mm -hmm. are you okay? Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: I think that God will find his way to you the way that you need to hear it. So Mm -hmm. for me, sometimes it's just like in that class, it was like, it almost felt like a hug. Mm -hmm. And then I had like a little bit of goosebumps. And then in the parking lot, it was tears. And um, one of my favorite aunt always says that tears are liquid prayers. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was a person that I loved telling me the same Mm -hmm. thing.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. So it can arrive different for everyone, but it's usually that feeling that doesn't go away or that feeling that keeps you up at night. Like Mm -hmm. you keep thinking about it
1: on repeat. Those are usually the things that aren't just you. -hmm. And the one, two, three. I like that. You know, the one, two, three. When when I feel you know that 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 God is speaking to me, I'm like, okay, I need it again. You know, give it to me again because I want to. I want to. I want to be really clear about what is my own thought versus what is truly a message that I'm receiving. So I'm Mm -hmm. usually like, okay, I need it again. Like three times, one, two, three. By the third one, like, all right, three strikes, and I'm out. (laughs) I know I'm out of the picture. Exactly. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. So you started practicing. What was your practice journey like? You started going, you know, three times a week. You're at Black Swan. You're finding your yoga home. You're, you know, moving, moving more and more into the yoga world. Like, what, what was that community like for you? And you know, did you ever move into, you know, practicing, you know, every day? Did it become an obsession? Did it become your community? Like, when did you identify as like, I'm a yogi? you know?
2: (laughs) I feel like probably around 2014 or 2015, which is a year after my, my big yoga class at the gym (laughs) that I was like, I'm a yogi. I was going about three times a week, um, going down to Black Swan, practicing with friends. It was wonderful, but also extremely frustrating. I'd be, all of their classes there, They now they have beginner classes. But back when I started, all of the classes were just leveled flow all levels. And I would leave at least two out of the three classes being like, that's not all levels. Like, <laughs> this is not all levels. I don't care what anyone tells me. And just so frustrated that the modification or option or level was always child's pose. That's mm-hmm. not helping me grow in my practice, mm-hmm. so that was frustrating, even though I had found this place that I loved and I loved that they were affordable. I think being able to like name your own price for your wellness is super empowering in this world because everything is so expensive, especially with like boutique yoga but i was i leave happy because I felt like a rubber band because they have that <laughs> the infrared heaters. You leave just feeling like everything has melted off of you. The teachers were so talented, but I had, I could tell that they hadn't probably seen
1: many bodies like mine before.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So would you, (laughs) I, 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 you know, in the, in the the style of yoga that I teach, we, you know, we, we would never say take child's pose if you can't do this pose. It's always like, you have to work on it. Try this and try that and do this and do that. Is that really a thing that the child's pose is just, okay, if you can't do this, take child's pose.
2: Yes. that's So many studios and it's not exclusive to black swan. I had, you know, done class passes here or there and tried a lot of studios. And it was like, if you're ever tired, take child's pose. If something isn't working for you, take child's pose and I'm like it's like
1: Advil they got to take two
2: literally or they at the beginning of class um I think it was um also you know boutique yoga and just studios in general were starting to pop up all over town so I think they had a lot of new instructors at the time mm-hmm. because now I don't experience that quite as much I do still um walk into a class The teacher will say, grab a set of blocks and then never reference the blocks the rest of the Mm -hmm. the class. And I know what to do with them. So that's fine. But I didn't know what to do with them Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. So um, that was really frustrating. I'm like, I grabbed these blocks. How do I use them? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what what do I do? Um, So that's when I kind of found Instagram yoga. I just huh. went into Instagram. Instagram was just kind of starting to become a popular thing. People were merging over from Facebook and Twitter to Instagram. I remember getting rid of my BlackBerry in order to get a phone that could get Instagram because BlackBerry was Windows; it couldn't have Instagram. <laughs> so <laughs> it seems so long ago, but totally. Blackberry, so imagine like a six phone that ago. can't have Instagram.
1: It's kind of like uh... I
2: know exactly, <laughs> and I just. Typed in fat yoga, like (laughs) that's it. I didn't type in plus size, anything like that, just fat yoga. And then I found all of these yogis showing what to do with blocks, how to use them, different levels for poses. And I started practicing at home. And I think maybe that's when I felt like, okay, I'm a yogi, when I could take what I had seen on Instagram. And use it in a class to get through in a way that was actually advancing my practice. Mm -hmm. Like that's when I became a yogi, I think.
1: You truly made the practice accessible for your own body. Exactly. But I just want to pause and talk for a moment about that that burden was on you. Like you had to take that journey. You went into Instagram to find someone that you could identify with that that spoke to representation for you and your body. And then you took it upon yourself to educate yourself and integrate those lessons into your practice. I, you know. I think there's been a culture change in the world of yoga, but the fact that you've done that, I just want to take a moment and give you, you know, a ton of respect for that because that makes you a pioneer, that makes you, you know, on the leading edge of, of movement towards inclusivity in the yoga practice. So congratulations on that.
2: <laughs> Thank you. And in classes, I would notice other people. I was, I'm still always the biggest person in a yoga class, <laughs> but I'd notice people with curvier bodies looking at me to see what I was doing, which is bad because I should be on my mat paying attention to what I'm doing. (laughs) But I would, I always felt like I was very conscious of the other bodies that were a little bit thicker in the room just to see what they were doing. And a lot of the time they were looking at me. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And then eventually I would notice sometimes the instructor would start to say, Or you can use your block for this after I grab my block for it. Mm. Um, So I started noticing like instructors watching me as well. And I think it was, I don't think that it's a hateful thing or a neglectful thing. I think that a lot of teacher trainings just don't speak to super plus size bodies. So they don't know. Mm -hmm. It's not a lack of care. It's just a lack of knowledge. And I think that's shifting a lot and Mm -hmm. um, more accessible yoga is being taught now. But six years ago, it was a a little different than Mm -hmm. what the yoga community is now.
1: And how did that make you feel to be in a space where you you had to go on it all on your own, really? And there wasn't really any guidance from from the people who were instructing the classes. They didn't know how to guide your body to advance your practice. Like, how did that feel?
2: (sighs) I, honestly, it just lit me on fire because I, yeah. um, previously I'm a full-time YouTuber. Now I've taken times where I go back to work or whatever, but right now I'm a full-time YouTuber. And for years I had done fitness challenges. So it would be me in a group of maybe 10, 15 other plus-size women. And we'd send each other these sweaty selfies on Instagram and, um, Snapchat and all of these things. and. I was like, okay, I've been leading these groups and drink more water challenges and things. And I was like, maybe I should look into getting certified because I had seen plus size yoga instructors on Instagram, but none of them were in my area, which frustrated me. I was like, I want to practice with bodies that look like mine. And I think that every city should have a plus size yoga instructor in it. Like the Mm -hmm. few that are on Instagram across the country aren't enough. So that's when I decided I'm just going to, I feel like I've been practicing for long enough. I know my practice isn't perfect, but it's called a practice, not a perfect. So I'm just going to look into going to training.
1: And I love that. So what the, what training did you go into? How was the teacher training experience? And, you know, what was your first experience like teaching? <laughs> so at first I
2: had, I am, I, like we said, it comes in threes. So I had applied and got accepted to Wild Heart Yoga here in Austin, Texas. And then I decided that it wasn't the perfect program for me. I really wanted to get certified at a donation-based studio, Um, but I had applied to Black Swan and theirs was full. So I went into Wild Hearts, paid my deposit, then told her, you know, I've decided I'm not going to do it. And then after I did that, Black Swan emailed me and said they opened up a few more spots.
3: Yeah, so
2: awesome. <laughs> I had got um declined for and it was a long training. I think it was eleven month training. It was Monday nights only. Mm-hmm. I started the training, something just didn't click for me. I ended up asking to switch to a later date. Um so I went from the winter training to the spring training, which was my third. <laughs> and uh-huh. then I ended up um getting certified in that training. So it was like a four-month training, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday type of situation. Super long hours. I have never had such a tired body. (laughs) Um, But training built my confidence a lot because seeing that thin bodies were just as tired is mine was made me realize like I am very fit I do take Mm -hmm. care of my body very well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like we're all on the same on an equal playing field especially after Ashtanga week all of us were like (laughs) just like these (laughs) bean bags laying on the ground like everything hurt (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, I hear you so I was like, oh, I'm glad all of them are in just as much pain as I am. So I don't feel <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like my body isn't um welcome here. But I was the only plus size person in training. I was one of two black people in training. There were two people in my first training that I went to a few weeks of and decided to move to string in the spring. And then there were two black people in this training as well. So even though it was an amazing experience, it was just kind of affirmation or confirmation that there's not a lot of representation of larger bodies in a class of 35, there's one plus size person and two black people.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's it. I mean there were, you know, a few other ethnicities but overwhelmingly very white classes. Mm-hmm. So um if you're listening and you're plus size or you're a person of color, get certified. If you're struggling financially, I was able to pay for mine. Um, There are always GoFundMes. There are always scholarships Mm -hmm. happening and available through different schools. Um, We need the representation. So Mm -hmm. I taught my first class in training and that was amazing. Just being able to lead our class and lead our teachers and then get their feedback was so beautiful And I absolutely loved that. And then I had actually booked a workshop in LA and that was my very first class teaching outside of school, which in hindsight, probably don't recommend (laughs) more practice would have been better, but it was amazing. I didn't have any complaints. It was a great class. It was probably a little bit too vigorous for the group that I had. but that's the type of school I went to. It's a vinyasa practice, and my teaching style has changed so much. And if I wouldn't have taught that workshop, I wouldn't have began to teach the way that I do. I don't sequence the way that I do at all. Like being able to witness a big group of larger bodies from the smaller sizes, from like around a twelve up to maybe a size thirty, move in a group, really taught me so much mm-hmm. um just in that first class on like how i wanted mm-hmm. to craft my classes going forward and how many people i wanted to have in class going forward cuz that workshop sold out we had to add more spots mm-hmm. and my friend Jessica she had been i have a podcast with her and she'd been teaching maybe 2 years longer than i had she came and she was really able to walk around and do adjustments and assist And um, I went to a school where it was very much, you know, you don't practice while you teach. But I learned with beginners, sometimes you do have to demo way more than you would Mm -hmm. if you're at a black swan of the world where everyone knows the names of the poses and where to move their body. So Mm -hmm. I learned so much in that class. And I think my teaching style now is 100% representative of like my experience there.
1: That first class that you taught, uh, who arranged it and was it a bigger bodied class or or what was that? I
2: arranged it. I reached out to a studio in LA. I hadn't found many studios that were size, gender inclusive. And I I know from personal experience, when I was on my weight loss journey that was really terrible a long time ago. I'm on a new wellness journey and it's much more amazing now. But um, when I was on a journey, gym intimidation was real. Like walking into a gym, it's just intimidating. Even if people aren't paying attention to you, you feel like they are when you're the biggest person in the room. So I reached out to this gym that it's called Everybody Los Angeles. And they say, we are here for everybody. So it's LBGT friendly. They have um, trainers that are experienced with trans bodies and bigger bodies. So I reached out to them and said, Hey, I'm a new instructor. I haven't taught a lot, but I have taught some on YouTube. I have experience being in front of people. I'd really like to see if I can come and teach um, a yoga for bigger bodies workshop. And Mm -hmm. Sam and Lake, the owners said yes. And I came out, I flew out. I was going to another event in Los Angeles as well, Eat, Drink, Vegan. And so I went to Eat, Drink, Vegan and then I did the workshop and it ended up being mostly bigger bodies. About half of the people followed me on YouTube. So they were excited to come out and finally yes. meet me. <laughs> and then half ended up just being people that were looking for yoga for bigger bodies. Um, Sam had reached out to me afterwards being telling me that, 90% of the people that signed up weren't members of their gym and they were just looking for yoga for bigger bodies, which we thought wow. was really amazing. And I'm really thankful to Salmon Lake for taking a chance on me, like being a new teacher, mm-hmm. but it turned out, it turned out really wonderful.
1: So would you talk a little bit about why representation is important? You know, there are some studios where there are no people that are bigger bodied. There are very few people of color. And there's, you know, this mainstream image of yoga as it's presented in a lot of the, you know, larger Instagram accounts or larger companies. It's this kind of, you know, thin, very tall, very lanky, white, Pretzel shapes, you know, <laughs> beautiful backgrounds, yes. the perfect yoga outfit, and that's there. And then there are spaces, our studios, that everybody looks like that. And and you know, so, so someone might be professing, "Well, we welcome, welcome everyone." But then there's no representation in their body or their community or their imagery. So why is representation important if we if we really truly want to be you know inclusive and welcoming to all? It makes. Representation
2: makes things go from impossible to possible. When you see someone that looks like you moving, it feels possible finally. There were so many times when I would get messages of people saying, I never thought I could do yoga until I saw you doing yoga on Instagram and I tried the poses that you did, and now I've signed up for a class. And we all know how wonderful yoga is it's so transformative, mind, body, Soul, spirit. Um, and we want people to experience that. But a lot of people really think things aren't available to them. And it's like when my little sister was small, she watched all of the Disney movies, but she was super excited when Princess Tiana came out because there was finally a princess that looked like her. It's like seeing the princess that looks like you finally. It's yes. And especially in the Black community, there's so much systematically that is wrong with this country. And that comes all the way down to wellness. Um, Wellness, a lot of the times, isn't affordable for people of color and it isn't accessible to them. And until they see someone like me or Ebony from Yoga in the Hood doing yoga to hip hop music, that Mm -hmm. opens up the door to them to this amazing practice for a wellness that they've never experienced before to reduce their stress levels. Like stress is like the leading cause of death of African-Americans, basically Mm -hmm. like um, stress leads to different health conditions. And we all know the statistics and facts, but having that available to people of color can help them a lot. So that's why representation is so much so important because it's not just, a workout. For some people, it is kind of, it's life or death. It's, it's bringing that stress down and it's making wellness seem like it's not this thing that you see in magazines, but it's you moving at home, you breathing Mm -hmm. at home, you drinking enough water every day, and that gives you a longer, healthier life. So it's about life. We need more Mm -hmm. representation so all of us can live longer lives.
1: Absolutely. I love that. And I feel like there are two contrasting images that are, you know, that, that are coming up for me right now. It's like, you have this one um, you know, mainstream aspirational image of, of you know, a wellness retreat in a far exotic location with like, you know, mushroom fumes being diffused in the room and some very rare flower herb being presented to you on a bed of roses or who knows what <laughs> else, you know, and you're like, oh, wow. And then, you know, this ult- this ultra- pampered, some exotified kind of, you know, wellness escape that is super expensive and unattainable and unaffordable and is is really not even inspirational, but it's just aspirational for some people. And then there's a reality, like as you were explaining uh, that, you know, this is a tool that can actually save people's lives, particularly people of color who are under constant stress in the United States due to, you know, the social situation that, we are, that we're in, the culture situation that we're in systemically that's affecting all of us now. Um, and, then, and then the idea that, okay, you can do this practice and you can feel peace where you are right now. And sort of this, this untold story of that yoga happens in. Humble rooms where you know there's a person teaching, and all of those people have their stories of what they went through, dropping their kids off for childcare, rushing from work, you know, trying to make ends meet. Somebody's an Uber driver. Somebody's you know different walks of life. Someone maybe doesn't have a job and can only go to that donation studio. And everybody comes in, and then that's where the yoga is primarily happening. It's not happening in these. Exotified, far-flung locations. If it's going to be positive, it's going to happen in these in these spaces that are just really people, real people practicing with real-world problems. And so, I agree with you. I think representation is so important. I, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I, I. Some people look at me as as like, okay, you fit the mold of, of the yogi, but I really don't. You know, I mean, I. I, I I when I started practicing, I'm small. I'm five two, and everyone when I started practicing, particularly ashtanga, were these tall, skinny people. And for and I remember this feeling of of constantly feeling, maybe I'm not right for this practice because I'm not the right size or shape. Yeah, you know, and just this overwhelming feeling of maybe I should quit. Maybe there's this doubt, and then you know, and then to, and then now 20 years later to see so much inclusive inclusivity in the practice, it's just like, yeah, we need, we definitely, we need more inclusion. We need more different people practicing and we need more accessibility. So I, I, you know, think that this is the, this is the future on, on a channel or platform like YouTube, the most popular yoga accounts are still kind of dominated by the standard mainstream, you know, without you know being speaking in any you know negative sense about that particular you know type of the tall, thin, relatively wealthy, potentially traveling, you know, white yoga teacher, females usually, uh, what's it like to be a professional youtuber that represents this you know, less represented demographic, and you know how how did you get started in such a way so that this is able to be a full time position for you so I started at YouTube
2: over ten years ago, so it wasn't like this instant thing, and I still don't make I'm not a billionaire youtuber by any means, but I'm able to live comfortably and it's really rewarding so my YouTube didn't even start making money until about four years ago. So it took about six years for me to start making an income from YouTube. And it really just came from sharing, sharing my life, being vulnerable with my struggles, sharing food because food is love. Um, just being open and, um, I have a good niche, right? I think we have to talk about it in a business sense too. It's not just luck. Like you have to have a niche. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm black. I'm plus size. I do yoga. No one does that. I mean, there are people that do it. There's Jessamine, She has videos on YouTube, but they're all just for, um, like magazines. She'll do like one flow for, but there aren't a lot of channels teaching mm-hmm. for their channel specifically. So that's how I was able to grow with the vlogging and just showing what a plus size lifestyle is without it being centered in weight loss but just being centered in wellness and not anti weight loss by any means I never mm-hmm. want anyone to think that there are times when people need to lose weight but that's very personal and that's between you and your wellness staff and you don't need to you know validate your health or wellness to anyone else that's very personal so um just living my life and being happy And I think that's contagious (laughs) for people um, to just live a life where you choose joy most of the time. And when hard things happen, you learn from them and you are open about that. Like this thing really sucked, but it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And this is what I gained out of this thing that was very traumatic for me. And I think that's where my YouTube came from and being able to teach and have people message me and tell me like, I cried on my mat because this was the first time I could follow a yoga flow from beginning to end without feeling like my body was wrong or I didn't fit into the pose. And then I get to do the real work, like just letting people know you're not meant to fit into the poses. You make the poses work for you. Mm -hmm. And It's a practice. That's Mm -hmm. why it's called yoga practice because Mm -hmm. you're never gonna be perfect at it and your poses are gonna vary from day to day. And it's about having that grace for yourself. So for me, it's just incredibly rewarding. And I'm really lucky to be able to do what I do.
1: I'm super grateful. (laughs) So Hmm. what tips do you have for someone that is interested in starting a YouTube channel? I mean, you already said one thing, you know, find a niche. Mm -hmm. and find a, find a message. Uh, it took you a long time before it was profitable. So this Mm -hmm. is another kind of message we can draw from your experiences. It's the long game. It's not a short game, but, uh, what, what other advice do you have that someone that's out there that says, well, I want, I want to post yoga videos on YouTube and have that be my main Mm -hmm. income too. What advice do you have for them?
2: Um, get out of your own way. We have so many excuses for what we need and what we need to improve on, etc., etc. before you start. You have everything you need. If you're listening to this, it's probably on an iPhone, and it has a good enough rear-facing camera for you to start now. Order a $10 tripod on Amazon and press the button, and you can edit it all on your phone. That's not the way I do it now, but a long time ago, I used a free editor and I use this old camcorder that I got for $30 (laughs) and you don't need all of this stuff. So just start. And the reason I say just start is because, um, the reality is unless you already have a following, no one's going to watch your videos for a while. So in that time, you start to get more comfortable in front of the camera and you start to find your true voice. Because when we first start recording, we're almost playing a role. You turn on for the camera, you aren't you. But the longer that you record, the more authentic your content becomes. So by the time your wave starts to catch up with you, which are your viewers, you're already who they are gonna get for the rest of the time that they follow you on your channel. So starting now, and starting with what you have are the most important things.
1: I love that. I think that's super important. I talk to so many people that's, oh, I'd love to make videos, but I don't have the equipment, and I don't know how to edit, and they're holding an iPhone in their hands. Exactly. You know? And I'm like, you do. Oh, but I don't have a microphone, and they've got their their, their you know their AirPods in their ears. And I'm like, those things have a microphone. Mm-hmm. You know, just go over there and start. You know press record, see how it goes and, and share it. And then just like yoga, then people get really depressed right away. Oh, nobody watched my video. I'm a failure. I'm like you're not a failure. You put one video out. Of exactly. course you watch it. You need to put like a thousand of them out. And then maybe, you know, it would be uh, something that people would want to watch, you know, over, over a period of time to build the audience. Mm-hmm. It's like practice. It's a, a cumulative thing that's going to take a, you know, a good amount of time. Yeah. So I have another question for you for the yoga teachers and or studio owners that are listening now who are going to have bigger bodied students in their class. What are some things that you would like them to know just about uh, how they should ideally interact with the bigger bodied student or some things that you wish the teachers knew about you when you were in class?
2: Yes. So the first thing is don't make assumptions. Um, There are so many times when people would assume that I couldn't do something during the flow and then I go into the pose and then I get a, yes, Eden, like, because you can tell that they're surprised. Don't assume Mm. that someone can't do anything. Plus size bodies come at a variety of fitness levels. So just make sure that your training programs are individual. Um, Something that I wish my training would have had that I've seen worked into a lot of training is mentorship throughout. And that way, not even just your plus size students, you don't know what your students want to go out and teach. Um, I remember one of my teachers said, raise your hand if you want to go to a boutique studio and teach only thin white women. No one raised their hand because you don't know what People want to teach. People might want to teach kids yoga. They may want to teach bigger bodies. They may want to teach chair yoga, but you still have to get a 200-hour certification. So maybe um, during your enrollment, ask people what they want to teach and then personalize their training. It seems like it would take a lot, but you really can do it especially Mm -hmm. if you have a teacher training team of a few people where you pair up like a group of students with instructors so that they can personalize their training so that when they head out the door, they're a little bit more set up for success. And also if you aren't super familiar with plus size bodies, ask one of your students that's plus size. Hey, Mm -hmm. would you like to do a private with me for free where I can ask you some questions because a lot of people don't have the experience with the bigger bodies. If bigger bodies aren't showing up in your studio, I mean, yes, you can do some research on Instagram and things like that, but it, it's so helpful. I remember at my gym, I we all of the yoga teachers got together and I just demoed everything they'd ever wanted to ask because yeah. they don't have the opportunity to do that in class. So that might be something that you look into.
1: Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. Right, do you have Do you have any plans to do a plus sized yoga teacher training in the future?
2: No, I don't because <laughs> <laughs> I think there are people out there like um, Amber Carnes and Diane Bondi that mm-hmm. are doing
1: a fantastic. They're job doing wonderful,
2: at it. but maybe not in Austin. Not in Austin. And I do, I would like to pop in on some yoga teacher trainings or that yeah. specifically. Maybe yeah. just even a module. Uh-huh. A module. <laughs> With yeah. a plus size person would be really nice because I like a nice intermediate or um, pretty vigorous vinyasa. So I'm, that's the one I think flaw I have in my YouTube. I don't have enough like super beginner friendly because I tend to teach what I like to practice. But yeah,
1: we all do. I know. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Which is why we shouldn't compare ourselves to people, even if their bodies are super similar. So many mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I can't do this thing that you can do. And it's like, well, I've been practicing for a long time. And if you practice, you may get there, but you may not because I'm naturally very flexible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So <laughs> yeah, some of us just have natural things that- Flexibility, strength, Exactly. Yeah. Our, our mm-hmm. anatomy, you know, it's totally different for everyone. So mm-hmm. comparison is that, oh my goodness, is the thief of joy. Sorry, there's a deer that <laughs> popped up right in front of me. Oh,
1: window. that's beautiful. Well, my husband has just popped up in front of my window. So if <laughs> have a deer, I have a husband.
3: Yes. <laughs>
1: wow. That's so beautiful. That's a blessing. Nature. Yeah, <laughs> such a blessing. Oh. So everyone who is listening now, uh, I encourage you to go follow Eden on YouTube. So would you share your YouTube channel with everyone?
2: Yes. Um, if you just type into the YouTube search bar, Eden loves life and it's E D Y N, I will pop up in a bunch of lifestyle videos, body positivity videos, and yoga playlists will be there for your endless enjoyment. (laughs)
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Eden. It's been a pleasure and honor to share this time with you. You're an inspiration to me, and I know you're an inspiration to many people out there. Thank you so much, Kino. Likewise.
0: Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series... You can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime.